Welcome to Master Plan Class 5. Thank you for joining us tonight. We are getting ready for Pesach. It is next week, on my word. So just as a heads up, there will not be a class next week for Master Plan. So tonight, we're just going to uh, get in as much as we can, and we're going to focus on the Omer tonight. And the reason why we're going to do that is because with everything that we have going on, as soon as Pesach starts, that's when the Omer count starts. So uh, go ahead and download the Omer count app uh, at some point next week uh, so that that way you're not caught off guard by counting the Omer because here's how it's going to go down. We have Thursday that precedes Pesach. We're going to have that night be the search for the Hamets. Then we're going to start uh, making sure that that Friday, uh, we, we say the, the blessing for the burning of the Hamets. And then we're also preparing Hamets free meals for Arab Shabbat and then for uh, Oneg. And then if you're doing third meal for that as well. No matzah though. Don't have matzah until it's officially Pesach. Okay. So the only Hamets that's actually allowed is challah if you are going to carefully consume it on Erev Shabbat, and then uh, when you get into uh, how to dispose of it and making sure you don't have crumbs everywhere because you don't want to introduce hummets back into your Pesach-ready home, right? So you carefully consume it over a napkin and uh, remove the contents down uh, the, the drain or get it somewhere outside of your living quarters. You don't want it on your property, okay? So get your hummets away. Literally, there is a, uh, there's a, what is it, an, an instruction to say flush your hummets down the toilet. So your crumbs should be small enough for you to wrap up in a little tissue, flush down the toilet. Because again, you don't want it on your property. So if we choose not to have holla, there's a question here. Doo, 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 doo. I thought we're not doing the burning of the hummets on Friday. Uh, correct. We, we are doing the Hamets on Friday. Uh, as far as the burning goes, we're not doing the nullification bracha on Friday. So you, cause we, we won't be able to have a fire on Shabbat. So everything gets moved up, like removing up the fast of the firstborn and things like that. Uh, if we do not choose to have challah, do we just skip the Hamotzi on Arab Shabbat? Yes, that is correct. You will be skipping the Hamotzi on Shabbat. If you don't have challah, which means you change up your blessing after meal um, because you won't be having bread. So um, that'll be a different blessing. So we destroy the hummets without a bracha. That is correct. You don't say the destruction of the hummets uh, or the nullification blessing. There is a blessing for burning. So whatever that uh, looks like for you, you'll say that blessing on prep day. And then going into uh, Shabbat after your Odenag time is when you'll have your time to say, you know, I consider all hummets ownerless. There's a whole blessing for that. So you'll be doing that after Odenag. Can we eat challah at Odenag or not? The reason why we're not doing challah at Odenag for uh, Magi Yashenu, uh, because if we're meeting together, um, we won't finish our shakarit service in time. So there's a certain amount of uh, hours that have to go by during the day uh, that you want to consume your hummets before. 
So uh, you'll consume your hummets before that particular time. And that is, uh, we're gonna do, we're choosing 10 a.m. Uh, just to be on the safe side, even though you literally have until the sixth hour, but uh, we don't play no games with hummets and we want that out of our possession. So we're not eating hala at Oneg uh, for the sake of making sure that we don't consume any hummets after the time that is permitted for that. Uh, and also again, um, we're, we're choosing to uh, give the option to have hala on that Shabbat at Erev just in case anyone kind of wants to do that, but it is not a requirement. So uh, again, because the only thing Hamitz uh, that is allowed on this particular coming up Shabbat is going to be um, the Hala, if you're having it, and that is only for Erev. So just a heads up on that. Hopefully that makes sense. But uh, so again, uh, just so we know, uh, we're going to come right out of that Shabbat, Shabbat Hagadol, and we're going to go right into Pesach, and then we're going to come right out of the first day of Pesach. That evening for the for the Havdalah time is going to be counting the Omer. So one of the things I haven't gotten to mention is that you're counting the Omer after Havdalah. Okay, so you're going to do Havdalah first. And then you're going to count the Omer. The reason why you count the Omer after Havdalah is because you want it to officially be nightfall. So Havdalah normally happens when we see three stars in the sky, which means it's nightfall. So just to give yourself enough buffer time, you'll go ahead and do your Havdalah ceremony, and then you'll go right into counting of the Omer. So again, that's why I wanted to uh, spend, oh, got another question. Just go ahead and I want to address these Hamid's questions real quick because you know we don't want to let those sit. Uh, if we do not eat hala on Erev and eat matzah, the matzah is not valid for Birkat Hamazon. Actually, do not. Uh, I don't know if we got to hear this earlier, but I was trying to say do not consume matzah on Shabbat Hagadol at any point. So you either have hala for Erev or don't have any hala and don't have any matzah. So again, you won't be doing a birkat hamazon. You'll have a hamitz free meal, okay? Um, and then the havdalah is Sunday night, correct? So Sunday night, you'll do havdalah and then you'll start the first night of the Omer. So when you do that, uh, just know, already have yourself set up and ready to go because again, everything's just so fast and furious coming at us starting Wednesday uh wednesday night for the first the fast of the firstborn so okay so again uh we have the uh master plan class will not be next week so no class next week so everybody just know that believe that trust that okay so now without further ado page 204 in master plan okay here we go this is the phrase I ended on. It says, from the day after the day of rest. So when we say our Omer uh, blessings, we go into reciting this passage actually uh, in the app. So uh, this comes from Leviticus 23, chapter or verse 15. And it says, Usfartem lakem mi makarat hashabat. Okay, 
And it says, and from the day on which you bring the sheaf, okay, of the elevation offering, the day after the Shabbat. So there has been historically a group called the Bothesians. They're practically uh, solo scriptura, um, super not Jewish, don't love the sources or sages or anything. These individuals said, oh, so that means you have to do it on a Sunday because Shabbat is on Saturday. So therefore, if Pesach ends on like a Thursday, they would wait until that following Sunday to count the Omer. Problem with that is that's like, what, three days into the Omer count by that point, according to how the Torah teaches us. So we want to make sure that we understand Pesach, the first day itself is called a Shabbat. And where's our source for that? It is Leviticus 23, 15. So the day after the Shabbat, that is the Omer count. Okay, so make sure we're all good here. Okay. All right, so it goes on to say uh, on page 204, from the day you bring the Omer offering, i.e. from the second day of Pesach, okay? So when you start counting the Omer, I know it's confusing. That will be the second day of Pesach. It will be the third day from the 14th of Nisan, which is getting kind of confusing, but don't let it confuse you. That day is called Erev Pesach. So the whole thing about the Mashiach, Yeshua, being in the grave for three days, you count the 14th, the 15th, and then the 16th of Nisan was Resurrection Day. So the 16th of Nisan is the second day of Pesach. And that is the day we began counting the Omer, which happens after Havdalah on the conclusion of the first day of Pesach. So for us, we're, uh, we're on like a, a different uh, timing of how everything falls out, but it's still going to be 14, 15, 16. Because Shabbat Hagadol is going to literally be the 14th of Nisan. Then going into Havdalah for our Yom Rishon is going to be the 15th of Nisan. So that means Sunday night, that's the, uh, the beginning of Yom Shani. That will be the 16th of Nisan. Okay? So that will be Resurrection Day. And this is why we talk about Mashiach Yeshua with his resurrection. That would have happened at a Havdalah. Okay, so anyway, the time we count the Omer, there's a lot in, uh, there's a section of Talmud that actually talks about this. I'll see if I can find it and, and send it out in our chat because there's a, a fanfare that actually happens to go count the Omer. There's a big crowd that we go out into the field because this is all about first fruits and we're going to go get the new harvest that just sprouted from the earth. What does that sound like? The new harvest that just sprouted from the earth, the life and the resurrection, right? So we go out there. There's a, a big ceremony where we cut the, the, the sheaf of barley. We bring it back to the temple and uh, it goes through a sifting process. I mean, it's, it's amazing. So these are some of the things that we're spiritually partaking of every night that we count the Omer. 
It's as if we're joining that crowd to go look at what just sprouted from the earth. And this Omer is brought on this particular day to provide sustenance for our whole entire year. Okay. So, you got, so if you don't bring your Omer offering on the 16th of Nisan, then your food supply for the year is gone. So this is very important that we do this. All right. I have to step away one more time. Just in case. There you go. Boy, editing this class is going to be so fun. Here we go. So from the day after the day of rest, from the day on which you bring the Omer as an, uh, from the day on which you bring the Omer, from the second day of Pesach, you shall count seven complete weeks until the day after the seventh week, you shall count 50 days. And that day you shall proclaim as a call to holiness. It is the festival of the first fruits. So the Omer itself, when we take that up from the earth on the 16th of the sun, that's a first fruit. And then when we get to Shavuot itself, that is a first fruit. So we have two first fruits. So the first fruit that we take from the earth on the 16th of the sun is barley. And then the first fruit that we have on Shavuot is wheat. So full blown hummus. You have that brought to the temple to celebrate uh, the, the harvest, okay? So during the Omer period, we're going from barley to wheat. Barley is likened to animal food. Wheat is likened to the food for man. So the animal food, that's all connected to our Yetzahara, which is also called the flesh and its desires, okay? So those things are intricately connected. So we're literally offering up our flesh and our yetzahara, all of our desires that cause us to be tempted and to go astray from Hashem, we're offering that up. And we're working with that and transforming that through the counting of the Omer for seven weeks. Now, I'm going to do a screen share here. Because I pulled up the the sephirot. There we go. All right. So hopefully everybody can see this. So with the sephirot, we have the top three crown understanding of wisdom. So skip those. Those get taken care of on the night of the Seder. So Hashem is like, let me hook you up. Now, from strength, loving kindness, beauty, empathy, victory, foundation, sovereignty. Okay, since this is English translating Hebrew words, there are so many different meanings you can pull. You can pull actually for strength. You can call it judgment. You can call it severity and things like that. 
So these are just giving you some of the, uh, the basic meanings. So with this being said, you're working on transforming each of these for seven weeks. Notice that there are seven of these, okay? And these are the, the makeup of what's called our emotions. It's also the makeup of our animal soul, okay? And these are the, the attributes that we have that the Yetzahara taps into to pull us astray from Hashem. So it'll do things where it's like, we need to have justice. We need to have boundaries in our lives. But sometimes if you don't do every, well, not sometimes, if you go away from how Hashem has told us to put boundaries in our lives, we'll end up being overbearing. We'll also end up being very, very uh, tyrannical and we'll push our limits and we'll push our standards onto other people. So that would be your gavura, your strength, that's out of alignment. It'll be out of check, so to speak. So you'll spend a whole entire week going through the levels of strength and how it should be used appropriately. There are meditations that you'll do uh, while you're counting the Omer. And those are meant to awaken that inside of us to say, hey, where is my strength out of line? Am I being overbearing? You know, have I put my standards on someone else you know because remember our circumstances vary from person to person so what works for you may not necessarily work for other people and so that's a lesson of gavura and you'll spend seven whole days going hashem help me with my gavura and then you'll rectify that within the week because that's how long it takes to transform one aspect of your emotions one aspect of your yetzahara takes a week of work this is why it's called the festival of weeks when we get to Shavuot. It's like you've had seven weeks of work, okay? So the Amr blessings will take you through each one of these. And remember, they're all interconnected to each other and things like that. So let me get back over here. So I wanted to point that out because that's super important to know, you know, what are we doing when we say the blessing and why do we say you know, chesed, sheb, hod, or, you know, kindness of splendor, you know, or things like that. Why do we say those things? Because it's like that aspect of our yetahara is being tweaked, tuned up, and realigned with Hashem. So that way our flesh can line up with the spiritual work that was done in us during the Seder. When we're in the Seder, our kokma and our bina and our dot our knowledge, wisdom, and our understanding, those are all being rectified through the 15 steps of the Seder. So Hashem is like, he's transforming that. So now we work on ourselves, okay? So hopefully that makes sense. Pick back up here on 204. Uh, so then that was Leviticus, Vayikra 23, 15, 16, through 20, 16 and 21. Then Leviticus 23, 14 says, you shall not eat or you shall eat no bread or grain of the new crop until you have brought the offering of your God. This is an everlasting law throughout your generations, wherever you may live. Okay. So again, I said, if you don't bring the Omer, you don't get to eat for the year. The beautiful thing about this is Hashem caused a miracle every single year to say, hey, 
my people need to eat. So guess what? I'm going to make sure that the harvest happens. There is an ancient Midrash connected to uh, Joel about how, how do we fulfill the offering? Uh, how do we fulfill the offering of the, the first roots, the Omer? Is that what you're asking? Okay, yes, we fulfill that offering today by doing the Omer count. So every night when we say the blessing and we talk about what Omer we, uh, what day it was, what week, because you'll, you'll, you'll see that you count how many days it's been and also you'll count how many weeks it's been. So as you do that, you'll have the whole blessing there for you and that'll be as if you're bringing the Omer to the temple, okay? This is the beauty of brachot, the beauty of blessings, all right? And this is another reason why we need to understand as well how the sages tell us that prayer is now in substitute of the offerings. So we can't bring offerings today because the temple's destroyed. So now we do prayers and those take their place until the temple is rebuilt and may it be even this year, if not sooner. Baruch Abba Adonai. Okay, so um, going on here, I was just trying to think um, if I wanted to mention anything else on that. Oh, the Joel passage. The Joel passage, and again, I'm still on 204. The Joel passage was uh, speaking about how it's one of the Hafta wrote. I don't have it up with me off the top of my head. But with that being said, there was one year that there was a drought and the harvest wasn't coming in and it was approaching Shabbat Haggadol. So Hashem caused a supernatural rain the first two weeks of Nisan. So that way it was time for the harvest to be reaped for the night of the Omer. And there was an abundance of barley. So that way the offering could be brought. So this is how serious the timing is on this. All right. So let's go down to the first section here. Omer offering. It says barley ripens early in the land of Israel. Already by Pesach, the grain is ready for harvesting. But before we take any of the grain or before we take any of the new harvest for ourselves, we have to present some before the altar of God. So, you know, the uh, concept we have of uh, Bikurim, first fruits, the also the concept we have of Maser, tithing. Well, guess what? When we're doing the Omer, it is a form of tithing. We're literally tithing the first thing that sprouted from the earth to Hashem. No wonder why Yeshua is considered to be the firstborn of the resurrection. He's the first fruits of the resurrection. That's what that means. The Corinthians passage that speaks about Yeshua being the first fruits. The passage that talks about if he, doesn't, if he hasn't resurrected, then we're doing all this in vain. There is no hope for us. If the Mashiach hasn't been resurrected, there's not any hope. So that whole thing is connected specifically to the Omer. So the Omer is all about resurrection. It's all about transformation. It's all about um, renewing our whole entire being. Okay, the whole month of Nisan, you're, you're in an opportunity of renewal. Okay, becoming a new creation. Taking off the old, putting in the new, getting rid of the old man. All of those passages are Omer counts. So if you want to 
which I would encourage to take your Omer count time and actually spend some time in those passages from the letters, Philippians, Ephesians, and things like that, to uh, to talk about the fact of being a new man, a new creation in Mashiach. So just some some beautiful meditations to have there. All right. So going on, uh, we bring that first to God. And it says, and, and sweet. And so we did each year when the Holy Temple stood in, in Jerusalem. The amount to give was the measure of one omer symbolically one day's food supply for a human being you know the thing called manna in the desert that was collected as an omer okay we collected an omer the omer is actually the measurement of what we're collecting so we would bring an omer of barley and when we collected the manna in the wilderness we would collect an omer of manna and Orha Kaim actually brings down, though the, the man of the house, the leader of the household would bring in an omer of manna, it would feed the entire household. So just from this one omer, it would feed the whole household. Because the omer actually knew how many people were in the house, which children belonged to which father that collected that omer. So if one father had like six children, the omer would be like, the uh, the manna would be like okay so the father brought me in there's an omer of me and now I need to feed six children. Where does this sound familiar? You remember the feeding of the five thousand, the feeding of the four thousand. Okay, Yeshua is an omer. He's just an omer, which is amazing to think about when you think about how much of a contraction of the essence of Hashem, the name of Hashem was brought down into the Mashiach. It's as if Hashem was like, here's an omer of who I am. And this is why understanding Yeshua saying, don't you believe that I am in the Father? I come from the Father. It's just like, there's an omer. So there's that. Um, moving on. It says, hence the name omer offering. Then it says, we are not allowed to partake of the new grain harvest until the offering has been brought, or if there is no offering until this day is over. This is the temporary prohibition of Hadash. Okay. You ever heard of a term called Brit Hadashah, which actually comes from Jeremiah, and it's about Hashem renewing his covenant with Israel. So the Omer offering is all about renewal. It's about Chadash. And that is the new offering. So what are we going to feed on for the rest of the year? Physically and spiritually, that is the significance of the Omer. And we think it's just a little bit of barley. And it's, Hashem is like, yeah, this is your food supply. This little bit is going to carry you. Okay. And then it goes on to say, God wants us to enjoy the new grain harvest to the full, but every enjoyment is enriched if it is subject to restraint. So notice how if we restrain ourselves in things that are pleasurable. So like 
who who doesn't love bread? Okay. Other than if you have an allergy or if you're just like, I don't like bread, but generally bread is a hot commodity, pun intended. And Hashem is like, you know what? I want you to take it easy because you just came out of a hummus free week and I don't need you just gorging yourself on loaf after loaf after loaf. Take it easy. Keep the, keep the Omer going, right? So as you're doing this, this level of restraint actually brings a higher level of enjoyment because number one, you're going to subject your pleasure to the one who is the source of pleasure. And this is another thing the Omer is teaching us. The Omer is teaching us, look around in your life, look around in your heart and find those things that, that really pull you, that really draw you, that really gather you in and focus on submitting that first to Hashem and from there partake of it. This is why there's a concept to do kiddush with wine uh, for literally so many different occasions because wine, I mean, if, if you're really a wine drinker, think about the fact that you're gonna always be submitting your desire and your love of wine to bless the name of Hashem. It's like you're, you're not only elevating your pleasure, but you're elevating the wine itself and you're elevating who Hashem is and how he is master over your life. So the Omer, that's a part of it, goes on to say, God wants us to enjoy the new grain harvest to the full, but every enjoyment is, is enriched if it is subject to restraint. We are to learn that God comes first. Yeshua says, seek first the kingdom of heaven. And then all these things will be added to you. And again, bring the Omer on the 16th of Nisan. All your food supply will be met for the year. 100% guarantee. You know, that's just a say lot to think about because how long is that? If you don't drink wine, that's totally fine. You do Kiddush with grape juice, uh, if that's the case. All right. So it's it's totally fine. And if you don't uh, like that or if that's something that is not uh, tolerable for you, it's a it's a health risk, even then you actually partake of the wine and the merits of those who partake of it in your community. So that's another beautiful thing to think about. OK, so. Uh, it goes on to say. By bringing the Omer or bringing the first Omer to God, we recognize that our sustenance comes from him. And we dedicate to him the life he sustains. Just a very, very beautiful thought. All right, we're gonna go ahead and jump over to page 205. Okay, so the significance of counting. So I actually circled the word counting and wrote off in the margin parsha pikude. We just came out of that Torah portion about the fact that we took an account for all that we brought to Hashem, all of our free will offerings, all of our shekelim. There was an accounting taken for that. It was like, literally, let's document this. Let's write this down. For those of us who've already been a part of Musar classes, you're probably already aware of 
how we uh, journal. So the Omer count is a chance for all of us to understand and get into a habit of journaling. Because if you've noticed in your Omer count app, it keeps a log. It keeps a log of your meditations that you did every night. It also keeps a log of the days you counted. So, you know, here's an idea of Pekude that's happening. Pekude comes from the root word Pekode. And this is literally the word for remember. This is the word that was used by Moshe to announce that the redemption was about to happen to bring us out of Mitzrayim. It says, Pekot Pekoti, remembering, I will surely remember you. The other use of this word Pekot is what Hashem told Sarah when she was getting ready to have Yitzhak, Isaac. So Hashem says, I will remember you. So at this time next year, which by the way was Pesach, you will have a son. So when we talk about this Omer count, we're, we're tapping into connections to those particular events. All right. Had a stray passer. There you go. All right. Continuing on, it says the counting means that we realize the attainment of physical independence on Pesach. This was only the beginning. Oh, it's okay, buddy. We're between hunger and sleep right now, but that's beside the point. Okay, so the counting means that we realize that the attainment of physical independence on Pesach was only the beginning. It was a gift. Okay, he's good. All right, so salvation being a gift, right? So salvation literally means a deliverance. So Pesach is where we celebrate being delivered. Okay, I'm going to do a handoff. Can we do a handoff, please? <laughs> okay <laughs> all right so it says now we have to justify it by working forward to be worthy of receiving the torah on shabbat so we receive a gift and then there's justifying why we receive the gift i want you to think about this interesting paradigm so we're given a gift but there is a, a precedent to say, are we worthy of this gift? All right. So um, page 205, I was speaking about the gift because justifying why we got this gift, I think it's really a, a huge uh, testament to Israel, to, to Jews, that we're just not going to take something from Hashem. I mean, I mean, I'm, thank you guys so much. Okay, so um, it's really a testament to the Jewish people that we don't take handouts. You know, we really make something of it. You know, the, the old-fashioned uh, notion, the old-fashioned notion of when someone gives you a gift, 
you write a thank you, right? So that's not really practiced a lot today. I don't, I mean, I'm not really going to say that it doesn't happen because I hope it does still because we, we need that in the world, right? But when we count the Omer, it's like writing a thank you letter to Hashem, which I've never really thought of it that way. But when we read here on page 205 in Master Plan that says, now we have to justify it, justify the gift by working forward to be worthy of receiving the Torah on Shavuot. The thing is, we're starting something that won't end practically to eternity, but the conclusion of Pesach is Shavuot. So we have seven days and the intermediate days between that and then Shavuot. Okay, so that's 51 and if you add the 14th in the sun, that's 52, which is the gematria of sun, which is Ben. Okay. 52 complete days. Cause that 14th day of the sun, we're getting all the hummets out and all that kind of stuff and completely our homes are ready. You know, and then we go into the Pesach and then we start counting the Omer. So yeah, 52 days of things going on here. It's a big transaction. So when we talk about being in the sun, you know, that the sun brings freedom. Now we can start seeing how these things take account because that's the 52 days of Pesach to Shavuot. I mean, to think about what the implications are. So we're writing thank you notes to Hashem every single night. And the thing is, when you count your Omer, you want to make sure that you keep in mind what day it is okay and what week it is so that that way you know what to count next uh, on the following night because you know when saying thank oh thank you notes or possibly love letters come on right so you want to keep in mind what night it is so that way when it's like okay what omer are we on okay we're on the fifth omer it's like that's actually considered to be a violation of the mitzvah of Sephirat Omer, the mitzvah of counting the Omer. If you call out the day before reciting the blessing and things like that, it's considered to be, depending on which halakha, uh, uh, which halakhic opinion you want to go with, that's considered to be like a nullifier of your Omer count. It's like you would throw your whole 50 days out, which that's it's up there as far as stringency goes but just in case you may know that there may be some people out there you're like it's the sixth day of the omer and it's like i can't believe you just did that now i don't get to recite the blessing tonight and it's like my bad you know so just keep that in mind so you want to remember what night you counted previously so if it's the sixth day of the omer don't say it's the sixth day of the omer just go last night we counted five days of the omer and boom leave it at that so it's going to take some mind flipping as well as far as the the process of what we're doing just to keep again counting pekude right keeping an account uh and it's also maybe a good idea on your phone to have a little note last night i counted da -da 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 of the omer so that way you can have a quick reference okay or your apple watches okay so we're working towards getting the Torah. 
So the completion of the deliverance from exile is the receiving of the Torah. Okay, that's super important because we see that in Parsha Shemot, where Hashem showed up at the burning bush to Moshe and said, bring my people to this mountain so that they can worship me. Where was the burning bush? Just so we all know, the burning bush was on Mount Sinai. So if you think about that, there's a burning bush first. It's little. Moshe is able to see it and all that. When we get back to Mount Sinai, the whole mountain is a big burning bush. And then Hashem was like, you know what? This is too much for you to carry with you. Contract it down. Here's your Mishkan. And then when you get home, expand it back up, and there's your temple. This is why we're to build a temple after we get into the land. Well, guess what happened in 1948? We got back into the land. Guess what hasn't happened yet? The temple. So we're so, so close. And you know what the biggest thing that has to be defeated right now in order to, to push us even more into the final redemption? Unity. When we can unify with other Jews. Yeah, we have different stringencies and all that, but I, get, I guarantee you one thing. We're all going to be counting the Omer. We're all going to be understanding it's Pesach. There's no denying the times. There's no denying the seasons. There is a religion that does that on a constant basis, but guess what's happening? Pesach is still happening. Omer is still getting counted. And this is the power that we have in the world today. So we get into that unifying place where that, that much closer to the redemption. So the next part here, I wanna go down a paragraph. It says, if seven, it's, we're gonna get into like some, some numerical uh, understanding. It says, if seven, which is the symbol of creation, represents the fullness of this world, eight, refers to that which is above creation, the spiritual world from which the Torah comes. Shaul himself, even in the letter to the Romans says, the Torah is spiritual. I am not. I was sold as a slave to sin, right? Well, guess what? Pesach is undoing all of that. Sephirata Omer is boosting that. Okay, so what was undone and we're given our reset, the Omer count is like, let's take it up a notch. And Shabbat's like icing on the cake. So we're gonna go from the, the physical into the spiritual and keep them united. This is the beautiful thing about the Omer count going into Shabbat is we're connecting the physical and the spiritual. We're making it hot and it's gonna happen within each and every one of us May Hashem help us. And so it says 50, which is the code number for Shavuot, could be called a super eight. Now, there's a motel chain called Super Eight, which I think is uh, amazing to think about. It's just like, oh, here's your Super Eight. And it's just like, do you even know what that means? <laughs> so it says, since it comes after a sevenfold seven. Remember this one time Yeshua says, forgive not only seven times, but 70 times seven, right? So this, this whole like 
don't just do seven like exponentially so i want you to flip back to your appendix or your index and go to page 394 i want you to look at the top right column and it says morning period why and on page 206 we're going to flip to 206 here's what it says the joy of this period is somewhat marred by the events which occurred long ago, but whose memory is still with us. In Eretz Yisrael in the second century CE, many of the Talmudim of Rabbi Akiva died during this period in a mysterious epidemic. Okay, mysterious epidemic. And it says they were to have been bearers of the Torah in that generation. Our sages attribute their deaths to certain character failings. So wait, was it the epidemic or was it the epidemic of character? The answer is yes. One thing we need to understand as Jews, we either are going to bring blessing into the world or we're going to bring curse, curses and disasters and plagues into the world. So in this time of the Omer, we're also rectifying past uh, failures of the character within the hearts of Jews that were lacking. And we're going to be fixing that. Okay. And that we all know, because in the power of telling class earlier this week, if you want to fix the world, you fix yourself. So if we're becoming new creations, imagine what's going to happen in the world. It says, they were to have been the Torah bearers of that generation. Our sages attribute their deaths to character failings, which might have been overlooked in others, but not in transmitters of the Torah. They failed to treat each other with the respect due to colleagues in Torah study. They failed to treat each other with the respect due to colleagues in Torah study. The lesson for our day is obvious. So those of you who've logged into the Zoom call and those who will watch the replay and those who constantly share on the chat thread, those who constantly immerse themselves in prayer, those who constantly give Zadaka, those who constantly do acts of kindness, guess what? We are colleagues and we are called to a level of respect to each other, regardless of what our own personal thoughts may be of that person. This is why there's no greater joy that will come out of a Torah study than when you see all of the people in that Torah study esteeming each other. This is why I have a beautiful sentiment of telling people, uh, I'm learning this new one, uh, that person needs ice cream or what kind of uh, ice cream sundae would you like? Or do you even like ice cream? Can I get you something else? Or the old notion of get out can't believe you just said that or get some help those kinds of things because that's what was missing in this time period that we're getting ready to enter into you, you gotta think how did oh yeah and get you some that's that's my all-time favorite get you some is my favorite so how can this be right the president of 
this time is Israel unifying, coming together with one heart, receiving the Torah, the, the exodus from Egypt, and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, nah, let's just have baseless hatred and destroy the temple and go into thousands and thousands and centuries of years of exile and not have a temple and create death and chaos in the world. Well, guess what? Mishpachah, the power of the Omer is here to show us the faith of the mustard seed is going to end is going to engage on the second night of Pesach. That's the Omer count. Let's esteem each other, okay? You may not know a lot of Torah. You may not feel like you're a Torah scholar. We ain't called to be Torah scholars. We're called to be bearers of the Torah. Hey, there's a book in the Torah called Vayikra. It has a parasha called Vayikra, and that's what we're studying this week. If you can do that for people, boom get you some that's our ice cream sunday people in the world just need information sometimes you know you don't have to go all over the top throwing the ball behind your back and dunking it like just tell them what parasha it is this week hashem will work from there what does shaul tell us there's one who plants and there's one who um who reaps but it's hashem that brings the growth Okay, so hey, lofty Torah scholars study your people all the time. Baruch Hashem, not feeling so lofty, not feeling like I studied anything this week. Guess what? Baruch Hashem, because why? You know that there's a Torah that can be studied. And maybe circumstances didn't allow you, but guess what? As soon as an opportunity presents itself, do you engage? Because that's a lesson of Hamas from last week. Remember, we said if, if a mitzvah comes to your hand, and you don't do it, it's like creating hummets. So we come together, we unify. I was just teaching my son Ezra tonight about the letter Aleph. I said, if you look at this letter, there's a yud on the top and a yod on the bottom, and there's a vav in the middle. The yod is representative of a yid, which is a Yiddish term for Jew. Notice how there's a Jew up here just floating in the clouds. It's a Jew up here on top. But then there's a Jew that's like, oh, I'm the scum of the earth. I'm just scrubbing it. I'm like, I don't have, I don't even know why I'm here. That kind of person. Still a Jew. But guess what's in between them? A Vav. What is the Vav? It is the Torah. The central letter of the Torah is the letter Vav. Okay, the Vav is a letter that brings things together. So I was telling him, I was like, son, no matter how lofty you may feel or how scum of the earth you may feel, there is a Torah that calls Jews to unify, to come together. And when we come together in the Torah, that is the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet. That is the letter that represents Aluf Shem or aloof shell olam the leader and the master of the universe hashem hashem is found where shalom is made so when we're counting the omer we're, we have the opportunity to create an olive and this morning period culminates in the 33rd day of the omer called lag by omer why is it called lag by omer because lamed gimel Lamed is 30, Gimel is 3. So Lag, Lamed Gimel, is 33. 
And the 33rd day of the Omer is a big day of having a bonfire, a big day of Jews to come together, to be unified, singing songs and rejoicing, because that is the ending of this period of mourning that we uh, commemorate during the first 33 days of the Omer. So there's a little bit of the three weeks of mourning going on in our Omer count. Some people don't even do haircuts during this time. They minimize joyous celebrations and things like that during the first 33. But after that 33rd day of the Omer, it's like, boom, it's, boy, we about to do some things. So Hashem is found where and what? Hashem is found where you make peace between two individuals, especially between two Jews. But obviously those of us who've been taught by Yeshua, hopefully everybody here, okay? Yeshua tells us who is our neighbor, right? Our neighbor is not just Jewish people. Our neighbor is every human that exists in the world or wherever they may be. If they're floating in space, bring them back. You know, you need oxygen, right? So yeah, so when you come to a peaceful agreement or if you do something that says, hey, I don't have any, I don't have any uh, beef with you, you know, maybe you can't come to a reconciled relationship, but as long as you have been at a place of forgiving, you know, you're saying, hey, I'm super offended. I'm super hurt. This is a crushing uh, thing in my life. But you know what, Hashem? Help me with this. Hashem is found in places like that. Hashem is found in places where two Jews come together, lift each other up. Okay. You give your Torah knowledge to someone who barely understands what's going on. Someone who barely understands what's going on. They have this super huge yearning for Hashem that they can teach the person who thinks they know it all something. Because the more knowledge you learn, you start to find out you don't really know anything, right? So sometimes that can kill your emotion. That can kill your enthusiasm. And you have this person over here who's like, man, I wish I knew half of what you knew. And you're like, what kind of fire is going on over here? And that's contagious. And that re-sparks the person to go, I'm not just learning because I want to be top of the class. I'm learning because I yearn for Hashem. And thank you for teaching me that lesson. You know? And so this is this beautiful symbiotic relationship we have. This is why for all of our online people who don't get to physically be with us, the fact that you chime in on a chat, the fact that you chime in on a Zoom call, the fact that, you know, you just try to participate wherever you can participate. That's the power of what you're doing. You're doing things like that. You're sparking a fire because you're showing a fire and you're creating a place where Hashem is revealed. So, there's a beautiful passage in one of the letters of John that says, none of us is, have seen Hashem, none of us have seen God, but if we love one another, dot, 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 you know, and he goes into the rest. But just take that phrase real quick. He's telling us, this is how you see Hashem, when you love one another. Why? What is the gematria of love? 13. So if I have love which is 13 and you have love which is 13 you put those two 13s together i.e loving one another 13 plus 13 is what 26 that is the gematria of the divine name of hashem that's what that looks like okay so that is page 206 uh, there's more things down here. This is the haircut and the, the weddings and the celebrations and things like that. 
So there's a, okay. I want to go to this uh, next to last sentence uh, in the bottom paragraph on 206. It says, it should imbue us too with a resolve to carry forward loyally that holy task for which our martyrs gave their lives. This is especially relevant in our time when not so long ago, millions of our fellow Jews were fiendishly murdered by a civilized, by civilized Europeans for no other reason than that they were Jews, the people of the Torah. And this is speaking about the Holocaust. So the power of Sephirat HaOmer that we are entering into at the conclusion of the first day of Pesach, super powerful. There's the element of, you know, sadness and things like that because we're remembering the, the, the plague and the, the, uh, the horrible murders and things that have happened uh, in our histories and things like that, even though they didn't particularly happen during this time. But for the disciples of Rabbi Akiva, it did. Okay. And we're talking a lot of people. Okay. So we have that going on, but we also have the fact that we're headed towards Mount Sinai again, the renewal of receiving the Torah. Everything's about renewal. So during this time, you're literally working out your salvation with fear and trembling. We just got delivered again. So Hashem, help me out. Help me be worthy to walk in this life. It says to work and study to show yourself approved, right? So this is what Sephirat HaOmer is about. So that is the conclusion of our time. Sleeka, so I want to just go ahead and take some time to uh, open up the chats. And I'm going to do take a page out of Rabbi Trugman's book. He says, I'm going to allow everyone to unmute now. So I'm going to unmute the mics and uh, go through the chat. And you will be allowed to unmute in... now okay so everyone should be able to unmute so as i'm going through the chat you may chime in if you would like okay but if we if unity is what we need to achieve how do we get the older brother to accept the younger prodigal brother the that that's such a great question and i don't want to ruin it by answering it but for the sake of answering it that's not our job to get the older brother to accept the younger brother. Because if you go back to the prodigal son, it's really kind of left in this uh, place of unresolve with even the father's uh, continuation to, uh, to show the son. Like it's left off with, you know, this is my son. He's back. He was dead. You know, now he's alive again. And we're celebrating. You've always been with me. You know, and so there's not really a, okay, well, the older brother goes, well, yeah, but I would just like a fatted calf sometime, you know, I would like a beautiful garment. I like you to run across the field for me. You know, I want that moment, turn around, you know, or uh, to be loved, to be loved, you know, some something like that. So, uh, so just to let you know uh, on that, but I, I, again, I love the question. How do so because God isn't going to force somebody to do something or feel something that they don't feel, you know, so he's not going to make the older brother accept the younger brother. 
but he's right. going to be that example so that the older brother will eventually come around, I would think. Yeah, exactly. It's the same for us because this is one of the things I always think about when I, when I encounter people who are anti-Torah, they're not observing and things like that. I think about myself. I literally had this conversation today. I said, you know, all my life, all I wanted to do, uh, at least since I was 17, I wanted to be a recording artist. I wanted to dance and I wanted to go on tour. And here I am studying Torah and trying to do my best to, to teach and, and help others and things like that. Like this was not in my plan. <laughs> and if you would have asked me to put my triple cheese bacon burger down, I would have just, boy, I would have drop kicked you so fast. Like you don't even want to know. But guess what? I was never, ever, 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 ever forced to keep a Shabbat, be uh, Shomer and Kashrut. I wasn't forced. Mm -mm. I was wooed into it by the spirit of Hashem. And Hashem gave me that time. Mission trip after mission trip, youth meeting after youth meeting, church service after church serving, pastor one-on-one mentoring, you know, getting mentored by all these different pastors and things like that. And Hashem was like, it's okay, you'll, you'll get there. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, it's like, you know what, the Bible was originally written in Hebrew. And I'm like, well, what are we doing not learning Hebrew? I'm going to go learn it. <laughs> and then Hashem pulled me and it was like, let me show you some other stuff. You know, so it's the spirit of Hashem that's going to do the work again. Back to there's one that plants, there's one that reaps, but Hashem is the one who brings that growth. Hashem is going to be the one who does that whole process of what it looks like. Even as we talked about the Omer, we and our best day with all the superpowers in the world could not pull a sheaf of barley out of the earth. Only Hashem goes, okay, did the farmer put the seed in the ground? Okay, I'm going to bring a little rain down, do a little dance over here with the, with the nature elements, and I'm going to bring up an omer. We didn't do that. Hashem did. But what we did, we said, oh, the, the omer's ready. Let's go get it. Let's bring it to Hashem now. Mm -hmm. And this is what it's like with this dynamic of the, the older brother and the younger brother. Beautiful. Beautiful, again, beautiful question. I just love that. Thank you. Um, is it Hashem's job to bring the older brother in acceptance? Yep, we talked about that. Uh, I would like to know the firstborn fast. Know about the firstborn fast before Pesach. Is there a special prayer? All right. Thank you for bringing that up. I'm going to go to the index and look under fasting. Okay, and again, um, everyone, don't feel like you have to stick around if it's getting late for you. Um, you are definitely free, and I, this, again, is being recorded even now, so you won't miss anything, because I know it's really late. Fasting is on uh, 178 and 221. Okay, so let's go to 178 real quick. The fast of the firstborn is all connected, we know, um, 178, to the plague of the, first, the firstborn back in Egypt. So Hashem selected, you know, um, those who had the blood on the doorposts 
to um he said you know you got blood on the doorpost you're in the covenant angel of death pass over you you don't have blood on the doorpost angel of death comes for you right and this is the firstborn or the oldest person within that particular household so when we look at the the fast of the firstborn uh it's commemorating the fact that this is the selected and designated people that Hashem passed over and we were kept alive while the others um unfortunately were taken and destroyed okay so page 178 is more about Yom Kippur Rosh Hashanah so the next page of that is 220 and 221 let's go over there see what's going on the other thing is before the sand of the golden calf every firstborn of the house was going to be a Kohen so one of the reasons why we have the fast of the firstborn is because this is the level of responsibility that's placed on the firstborn is that we're in charge of everything the Kohen and the Levi are in charge of for our household. So uh, when we when we do the fast, it's actually connects us. It's so interesting. 178 is about Yom Kippur and it's talking about fasting because guess who fast on Yom Kippur? Uh, well, other than everybody, the Kohen Haggadol. And it is specifically the weight of his office that makes it very interesting that he needs to fast because he does the most intense service on that day. And is it any wonder that Yeshua was even fasting during the fast of the firstborn time? Because from the end of the Seder all the way up until his offering, he didn't have any food. He didn't partake of anything. And so our firstborn fast we know will be beginning as of this uh, year on a Wednesday night going into Thursday so that the end of the fast will culminate with uh, searching for hummus. So that's an interesting time there. Uh, purpose of fasting, page 221. Um, fast days encourage us to reflect on the failings which brought, uh, brought upon us these national disasters. Here it is, page 222 at the bottom under minor fast. The fast of the firstborn on Erev Pesach has its origin and custom. It is customary to set it aside by participating in a mitzvah meal, i.e. or e.g. the meal of the completion of a tractate of Talmud, which is called a siyum. So this is telling us that you could also do a completion of an entire volume of Talmud. And because you do that, instead of fasting, you would actually create a mitzvah meal called a siyum. So, you know, there's either you're going to fast or you're going to be upon the completion of a whole tractate. I cannot imagine reading a whole tractate of Talmud, but it's just like, at some point at the beginning of your year, you would start and be like, I want to have this thing completed by uh, Erev Pesach so that I can have a mitzvah meal instead of doing the fast of the firstborn. So um, as far as prayers or special blessings, 
what that would mean. Yes, page 222, Todd Arba for sharing that, Shira. Um, the the fast of the firstborn, the, the prayers that you would do specifically would be your normal gray boxes that you have in the Siddur that talk about um, the blessings you would say on if you're fasting. So you would actually be able to recite those. And fasting uh, itself is a, is a beautiful uh, moed for us because the time that you would spend eating is actually the time you can spend talking to Hashem. And because you're already breaking free and going beyond your own will, your own nature, anything that you're asking Hashem, you're also giving this like response uh, towards Hashem saying, Hashem, could you go beyond your nature? Could you go beyond your own self, you know, to, to grant these requests? So kind of a uh, Yeshua saying, forgive them, Father, they know not what they do continuing to pray for us, even though we're in the midst of our sins and things like that. Um, okay, I think that is all the questions. Is that all the questions? Uh Anybody have anything else before we really conclude our time? Three, two, one. Okay, Baruch Hashem. Toda to everyone for uh, sticking around tonight. Thank you so much uh, for your understanding, for your patience, your kindness, and Baruch Hashem. And uh, again, no class next week. So uh, we'll be Bezrat Hashem back on track after uh, next week because uh, it'll be during the week of Pesach. So that'll be kind of fun to have a Pesach master plan class, like what you've been doing all week kind of thing. Right. So uh, Baruch Hashem. Uh, with the help of Hashem, next Wednesday, it won't be recorded because I probably won't have the video on, but just have the mic available in the background. We'll have a, uh, if, if you're in the middle of Pesach cleaning and you have questions uh, during our Wednesday night class from eight to nine, uh, I'm going to make myself available. And hopefully if anybody else is uh, from the Bet Dean or Rabbinical Council, I don't know how anybody would be available that week, but you know, we're going to try. We're going to do what we can. So we'll be available in case you have any questions and things like that. So uh, we can make sure that, I mean, Pesach is it's a little bit of a challenge to get into it. But, you know, together, not so much. It, it'll be beautiful. So, again, keep your joy up. Um, Monday, uh, yes, Mashiach Mondays. There's still a Mashiach Mondays next week. Power of Talim, not really sure uh on that so i'll have to check in with each pela aka shlomo get you some over there and uh see about that but we'll announce that in the uh, message board chat and keep everybody posted so happy prepping to everyone it is officially prep day so uh this is a normal shabbat so enjoy it your last hamid shabbat for two weeks so uh <laughs> brace yourself and uh, don't overeat on the holla because that's what I'm going to do. So anyway, Lila Tov, everyone. Shavuot Tov and Shalom.